Building a Story Brand is brought to you by 5-Minute Marketing Makeover. Go to 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com. If you have struggled with your website, don't know what to say, don't know what images to use, are not converting browsers to buyers, we can help. It's all free at 5MinuteMarketingMakeover.com. Also, StoryBrand.com. If you want to attend a live marketing workshop in Nashville, Tennessee, we have a communication framework that will help you clarify your message and start getting your business to grow again. Storybrand.com. JJ, it is season two <laughs> of the yes. Building a Story Brand podcast, and we had a fantastic season one. While we, we were did. sleeping, yes. while we were hibernating, <laughs> Story Brand at one time, I think we did seven episodes of uh-huh. the first season. Yep. And I think I looked at one time, six of those episodes were in the top 50 business podcasts. Uh-huh on iTunes. That's a pretty good start. So fun. That was really fun. It and was. we have already recorded most of the interviews yeah, for, for season, season two. two. And mm-hmm. they're just fantastic. I'm blown away that we get to do this with yeah. these people. They yeah. are so smart and so good. And I have learned so much from them. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like every time we, we record one of these interviews, our business grows because yeah. we get these little tips, these little strategies to just better our swing and take us another stroke off par. Yeah. And uh, it's fantastic stuff. Today's interview mm-hmm. is pretty special. We're yeah. opening up season two with two of my favorite people on the entire planet. And that is Mark and Brian Canlis yep. of Canlis Restaurant in, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. The Canlis family has uh, one of the finest fine dining restaurants on the West Coast. It is. Uh, have you ever been? No. You've heard stories. About- I want to go so bad. So, what the deal is, the Canlis's uh, grandfather started the restaurant. Mom and dad took it over and took it to the top of the game. And then they transitioned. They transitioned to Mark and Brian, the sons, and they now co own and run the restaurant and continue to do amazingly well. It's one of the top restaurants in the entire world. But what fascinates me about Canlis is, and we're going to talk to Mark and Brian in a second. Yeah. Is their customer service. You know, yeah. one of the big paradigm shifts at StoryBrand that our clients go through is your customer is the hero of the story, not you. Yeah. And they have a way of treating customers like heroes. And the customer journey is the forefront of their mind, like almost no other business I've ever seen. Yeah. Whoever walks in that door, whether you're going for that $25,000 bottle of wine or you're just, you're going for an anniversary dinner, they make it the night of your life. Yes. I mean, they really like, that's what's amazing about them is whoever walks in the door, it doesn't matter. They're not saying this is who we are. You have to become like us. Whoever walks in that door, you're celebrating a birthday, you're doing a business deal, you're doing anything special and you want to remember this night, they make it memorable for you. Yeah, I think Brian told me once, he said, you know, the pressure is anybody who makes a reservation, most people who make a reservation, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's their daughter's wedding. It's their, they tell me that routinely, often, it's somebody's last meal with their family. They've gotten some bad news. Yeah. And it's their last meal with their family. And their entire staff approaches it this way. In fact, when I found out mom had cancer, Betsy and I bought her a first class ticket to Seattle. She'd never mm-hmm. flown first class anywhere. And we got a reservation at Canlis. Yeah. And they took care of us so unbelievably well. And, you know, when mom passed away, there are about three or four things from the time we found out she had cancer to the time she passed away that I look back as these sort of 
anchors, these points of time where I know that we were able to communicate in such a way that she could hear it, that we loved her. Yeah. And one of the ways that we did that was to go to Canlis. It was just a beautiful, beautiful Amazing. time. I got to tell a story about these guys because I love Mark and Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, they used to have, Canlis, they're kind of legendary for this. They used to have a guy who did valet parking. Uh, he was the head of valet parking and um, he had a photographic memory. And I think it was like 25 years he worked at Canlis. He was there forever. And he just remembered everybody's car. Yeah. And so they never gave you a ticket because he just, just remembered you, just you and your car. And yeah. it's not a small restaurant. It's not huge. But there are a lot of, you know, there are 150 people eating dinner there. And um, he retired. And they decided as a staff that rather than go to a ticketing or computer system, that they would figure out a system that all these people who don't have a photographic memory would just remember everybody's car. Yeah. So now when you pull in, they remember your car, they pass it on to the waiters and waitresses. And when so-and-so gets up, the word gets back, go get that black BMW, that was his. Being that attentive yeah. to your customers is rare. And I'm sure, I mean, I haven't been there, but I'm sure the food is Amazing. The food is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh, Betsy and I, I've only been twice. I went once when Betsy and I were on our honeymoon. Uh -huh. And I went once with mom. And, yeah. you know, we went back with my mom. And so it is a, it is a sort of special occasion place. And although the guys, you know, they're going to listen to this interview, they're going to call me. They're going to what do you mean special occasion? <laughs> you can come in anytime. I think that's what's so beautiful about it because, you know, we say at StoryBrand, and we get this from 2,000 years of telling stories, that a guy, there are a couple different characters in a story the hero and the guide and we talk at story brand we beat it over everybody's brow don't be the hero be the guide yeah. and two things that it takes for your customers to subconsciously recognize you as a guide are one empathy mm -hmm. and two authority empathy understand their pain get down on one knee and serve them authority is know what you're doing and be good at it have something that will solve this person's problem yeah they are so huge on authority uh, in terms of all the awards they've won uh, the notoriety they've got. Both Mark and Brian have been judges on Top Chef. <laughs> you know, they know what they're doing. That you walk in wondering whether or not you even belong here, whether yeah. or not these people, I don't care if you're the president of the United States, yeah. you probably walk into Canlis going, I hope I fit. Yeah. And within seconds, you just mm -hmm. get this overwhelming rush uh, from their customer service that you belong here, that you have always fit here. That any any insecurities yeah. you had were are absurd. So my my cargo shorts would fit in, is what you're saying. No. Oh no. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Oh okay. Okay. I mean, I fancy myself you a foodie, would fit, but... <laughs> but you would have to. I would recommend at least a tie. Oh, you know, okay. they used to have a okay. sport coat rule that uh, they don't uh, they don't do anymore. Uh, but I won't go in without a sport coat. <laughs> uh, an amazing place. We thought, what a great way to kick off season two of building a story brand interviewing folks, getting right back to the heart of the story brand message. It's all about the customer. We're going to talk about a lot of things when we, we talk to Mark and Brian. I flew to Seattle and sat down with them. They were kind enough to sit down with me and do an interview. This is Mark and Brian Canlis of Canlis Restaurant. Just listen to their heart for customer service and also their people. I mean, they just serve. They love yeah. to serve. They are not above us. They are definitely down on one knee serving us and i think that's one of the reasons they've risen so far to the top and are going to continue to grow as a business mark and brian canlis from canlis restaurant well mark and brian thanks for joining us we're here in seattle and uh, part of the reason we came out here was because we wanted to talk to you guys canlis is in terms of a dining experience probably betsy and i actually went on our 
the day after your honeymoon. Wedding. Yeah, the right. day after the yeah, wedding. I remember it. And it's the first Table time, one. even though we've known each other for a long time. I've never gone to. I've never had the privilege of a going to Kansas. We always yeah. meet. Yeah, we always meet somewhere else. So it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. We felt unbelievably special, and you guys were friends, and you treated us amazingly well. That was a super special experience to have that kind of customer service, right? Mm -hmm. Then, not too long later, uh, within a year, found out my mom had cancer and didn't have long to live. And so uh, she'd always wanted to go to Canlis. And, and so we actually put her on a plane and flew her straight to Seattle and had dinner at your restaurant. Uh, sadly, I got the dates mixed up, and you got neither of you guys I were know. there, which happens about once I a year. So <laughs> it was, no, no, no. But the dying. reason I say that is because it was fascinating to me that on an occasion that's even more special, we walk into this restaurant. Jared was our server. I mean, I think about eight people wait on you mm -hmm. at every table at Canlis. It was almost more special in the sense that I realized from, you know, just from a business perspective that this is ingrained in the entire culture that you've created. The customer's on a journey. Every time somebody walks through this door, it's something special. I've just never seen anything like it. And I wonder, how did you guys, what are the values? How did you guys build that kind of customer service? I think what a lot of people look at in a restaurant is, um, is the external things. And what we're trying to look at is the internal thing. I mean, you said it yourself. I came to Canada because my mom had cancer. Yeah. And if we don't recognize from the get-go that that's what matters tonight, we're sunk. So our goal is to understand what matters to you and what internal need you have and how do we serve you in that way. And that's not something we made up. I mean, this is 64 years in the run-in. So our grandfather, I think, was instrumental in, in getting that and, and probably even more so than he, our parents. Um, so when we took over the home 10, 11 years ago, I think our, our job, our, our, like what made us excited was just how do we... How do we take that to the next step? What does the next step look like? How yeah. do we shepherd that legacy forward? The restaurant business has to be extremely stressful. I can't imagine being in it. Uh, it's one thing for you to have this inner commitment as owners of the restaurant because there's so much at stake for you to always have this attitude that your customer is really the hero and you're just there to serve them. To instill that in a team, though, you know, when you're gone, for them to continue that. But I think that's why they love it. They're not just taking food to the table. Yeah. They understand that a guest walks in the door and they know tonight needs to matter. So that, that guest brings their most valuable asset um, when they walk in the front door. Like this, almost like a treasure. Their time. And it's their time. Their last meal with their mom. Yeah. Um, or it doesn't their, happen again. Or their first date or their one proposal or... Night before the baby is born. Whatever it is. Only 10th anniversary. They walk in the door with this fragile memory and they're offering it to you and they're saying can you take care of this mm -hmm. um they're not coming to they're coming to eat they're coming to drink uh but they're coming to make sure that tonight will matter yeah uh, and that's what our staff gets so excited about is not serving food and not pouring delicious wine that's fun um when someone walks in the door with a treasure and asks you to take care of it they're, they're mm -hmm. asking you to safeguard they say i got something precious here is it safe to, to let you hold it for a few hours yeah no do, do we hold it we also charge them for that yeah so it's, it's a vulnerable place for them to be in, and it's an expensive thing for them to be in. And so that's a big charge. So our, our task is to be trustworthy, is literally to have earned um, the reputation that, yes, it is safe for us to hold that. Let us care for that for you. Yeah. That's, what yeah. we're, that's what we're doing, and that's what we're trying to get the staff to do. And they, we're the best team on the planet. I, I would imagine it's hard to get a job there because you're looking for a kind of person who can understand that and engage that dynamic. How picky are you? It's it's funny. We're um, Brian is picky. 
<laughs> I fell in love with that one. I interviewed. It is and it isn't. It, um, the people who do get hired aren't the ones you expect. So people with lots of restaurant experience and been waiting tables or for so many years. Uh, very few um, of them have any. They think that no problem. And they're the ones who are like, ah. because, uh, Is it because they learned some other way of doing things? It's just not going to no, work at Canlis? No, no, no. It's because they think they know how to serve. So we're hiring people whose parents did a great job on them when they were kids. We're hiring people who have an inner comfort in their own skin, who mm-hmm. understand the world doesn't revolve around them. Yeah. We're, we're hiring off character. We're hiring people you want to take a road trip with. That's like, one of the questions. Like, oh man, would this person the, survive a road trip with mom? Yeah. Or would she kick him out? You know, in all the Chicago. technical stuff about perfect service, you can teach it. But people who get excited about taking care of other people, um, that's an unusual person. That's who we're hiring. So well, the, last that's two, just, the last two people we hired have zero restaurant experience. Well, that's just step one, right? Yeah. And step two is just saying, okay, look, prove to me you might be an amazing person. Prove to me that working at Canlis will help you become who you're trying to become. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really what. I don't really care what you're trying to become. Like who? Like who are your mentors? Which ways do you want to grow That's a and question you actually ask. Oh, it's not only do we ask, but, we like, but a, we're looking at it's it a in rule. the whole process. So you're not just, yeah. even, even as owners of the restaurant, you're still not seeing yourself as the hero in the journey when you're interviewing somebody. You're seeing... And, and trying to figure out what the journey of this potential candidate to work here is. If we're not they doing fit. that, we're using our own staff. <coughs> if I'm not interested in the staff and the journey they're on, then I might as well just come up front to them and say, hey, man, I just want to use you for a little bit for my own personal gain. Yeah. And no one wants to be used. We're in the business of relationships. And that's just that with the guest. That's, that's with the 100 employees, be- right? Because so, then in turn, the, the staff will use the guest. They'll say, hey, I'll serve you. I'll give you what you want, and you give me what I want, which is a nice tip. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's using, um, it's dirty. It's and a, a lot of the times in the restaurant business, it can get dirty. It can feel like it's economy of very take. transactional. I'll take from you, um, you take from me. Yeah. As no and great relationship was ever based on that, right? You know, relationships like, aren't transactions. They're actually relationships, which is a scary thing in restaurants. But we, we try it. I've noticed that you've done some... Crazy fun things. I mean, this is a beautiful building well, that Candlis is housed in. I mean, you know. But you have an, an arsenal of laser tag weapons we for have, the staff. We have 24 guns. <laughs> what, and what is And the bazooka. You, and, then, the uh, and then you guys had essentially a luau in the parking lot once where you built an above-ground swimming pool for the staff yes, to play and do all this kind of stuff. 15,000 gallons. It, it, it runs epic. contrary to the sort of, uh, you know, snooty elitism of fine dining that you're doing this stuff. Why is it so important to build that kind of culture? Is it just because you want to? I think it might. <laughs> That's part of it. Laser tag is really fun. I think it's really I don't know if you've played laser tag lately, but the guns have gotten really I mean, The restaurant's good. got two uh, floors. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm like, trying to complicate things. And when and was the last luau where they didn't have any water? I mean, no. we looked at the parking lot. We're like, this parking lot needs a pool. I, I think the idea here is um, we're brothers. We've been playing together our entire lives. And if the company wrecks that, well, what a great tragedy that would be. Mm-hmm. So what if there was a way to say, hey, is there any way we can continue to play? Is there any way we continue to grow? As, as we grow into older brothers, we're not kids anymore, can we keep that peace that was so true to us? And, and we're inviting others into that. And so that's the staff. And in a lot of ways, that's the guests. It's like, let's have fun doing what we're doing. Well, and, and Not to mention the power of play. I mean, you, um, if you have a, a sous chef and a, and a server who don't have a lot of interaction all night long, if you put them in the woods playing laser tag together, they're painted the amount, up in camo and everything. The amount of intimacy 
that builds between the yeah. two of them, it will never happen in it's the restaurant It's vulnerable. Setting. And if we can achieve vulnerability, we can achieve trust. So that's the idea there. It's like Right. And then trust leads to efficiency, which leads to amazing services on the floor of the restaurant because you have a team who um, went to battle together the night before in the woods and like they they love each other. And so it's not just fun and games. It's actually creating a staff that enjoys playing together. It's fun and games. If you enjoy playing together and, and we know this because we love killing. playing together. Yeah. You yeah. love working together and if you love working together then you can crush it. So I don't know where the rule came in that just because you're a sophisticated, fancy restaurant, you can't have a good time. I mean, literally, it's part of the reason Canlis was built to feel like a home. Part of the reason mom and dad are so warm and authentic. Like, like what? You guys own a restaurant? Yeah. No, they're, they're actually bringing you into their home. If you don't think that, you, you missed it. Like, Your that's grandfather what doing. lived in the upstairs room at Canlis for he did. a season, right? Or he did. Four a, years, yeah. Yeah, four or five years. Wow. So it, um, we want it to be that way. And that, to me, that... That's that relationship. That's what you're trusting us with. Speaking of the legacy, speaking of your grandfather living there, 65 years, uh-huh. Canlis has been on top. 64. 64. Just had the birthday. So in the 65th year. You're in the 65th year. Yeah. You've been on top. You've yeah. won award after award, accolade after accolade. Two questions. How do you stay on top? And then staying on top requires transition because culture changes, people change. Sure. I remember growing up being friends with your family uh, you know, you always had to wear a tie if you went to Canvas. And I would never, di- just because I knew that, I would never disrespect the restaurant. I think there's been times I've wanted to come by and I wouldn't come till 1130 at night because I didn't have we a tie no with me. no longer require a tie. Don't <laughs> but you that, worry. But those are major, those are major transitions. And how do you navigate think, the change of culture and stay on top as a brand? I think one of the keys uh, is understanding, um, like if you're driving a car and the car is the restaurant, um, how big is the windshield and how big is the rear view mirror? And I think a lot of businesses get stuck um, with the wrong ratio. You're speaking to kind of a psychological dynamic. When, when people begin to succeed, they begin to be more careful. And they don't take the risks right. that caused them to succeed in the yeah. first place. And they, and they rest, begin to decline. And they start to recreate uh, what, what was once what made successful. successful. And the rearview mirror begins, like, becomes this big. I remember when you guys began to not rebrand the company, but you just began to change things. Mm-hmm. Was that scary? Were you scared? Yeah, for our parents. Our parents were scared. <laughs> you weren't scared. Those are what generation. No, we were, we were scared. <laughs> we were definitely, uh, we, um, I don't think we were wise enough to be we as terrified little, as we should have been. We were too naive to yeah. be, we should have been more scared. We should have been more gotcha. scared. Uh, we um, were definitely um, cautious. Yeah. Um, and uh, if we were wiser, we'd have been scared. I, I was, remember even you guys were uh, judges or something on Top Chef. Was it Top Chef? Yeah, we yeah. are. Because my wife watches these food channels right mm-hmm. and i remember even thinking "Ooh, that's that's risky for a high-end restaurant it's to risky be associated to, with to let those guys cook our food that <laughs> that was a risk that midnight didn't pay off but no it was so fun and it was also um again the restaurant wasn't created to be an old restaurant in 1950 it was cutting edge it was one of the best restaurants of its day yeah so our charge is not to recreate a 1950 yeah. restaurant or 1960 or 1970 or 89 our charge is to have it continue to be that. And so we have to let go of, of who we were. Look, I'm not wearing my high school jersey today because I'm, I'm not a high school kid anymore, you know, and I'm not in college anymore either. Like, we move through these phases, and the business does the same thing. It is growing. It's evolving. It's changing. And you got to let, let that happen. When we had guests who were maybe a little uncomfortable with us becoming more modern, um, we had to remind them. Um, I mean, they would say, like, you know, this is not how your grandfather ran the company. It's like, well, actually, when he opened Canlis, that place was, um, it, was not an, it wasn't an old school restaurant. It was the most modern thing of its day. 
he wanted to build a modern revolutionary restaurant. The answer is, it's not our grandfather's recipe. It is our grandfather's restaurant. Mm. The recipes change. The soul of the place does not. Like, like its ethos does not. The values do not. But the recipes must. And so yeah. must we. If I was wearing an outfit from the 1950s, you'd think I was goofy. But, but, yeah. but, your, right? but, your, but your soul is the same. Like your values are the same. Your heart's the same. And the clothes keep changing. Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses or restaurants around a long time are too scared to take off their clothes. Right, because that worked for them. And, and yeah, and it's yeah. comfortable. So Brian's answer is, don't be scared to take off your clothes. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to say one quick thing. I think you might be hurting the brand. <laughs> right after... Certain risks should not be taken. <laughs> right after the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, we took our staff for the all-staff meeting into the center of the field. At and, CenturyLink. And, we, and we've gotten a huge circle, right? At like 95 people. And we told them all, turn around. We said, look in these stands. We're going to serve about this number of people in the coming year. Wow. Here's what I want you to do. They all had a pen and paper. Just sit down, stare out there at the stands, and write down one way on this piece of paper that you will grow by serving those people. I don't care about how we'll serve the people. One way that you're going to grow. And they all did it. Even then, it's just an amazing And they all put it in guys... their pocket. Like that to me is how it's yeah. it's a focus on but them I love growing. That you guys that keep, keep the restaurant considering relevant. the story of somebody else, which is the whole story brand paradigm shift. It's the big one. Mm -hmm. The story is not about you. No. And it, I can't think of a finer example of that than than what you guys are doing. I, just two final questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is you've got a, a saying around Canlis, and it just says keep the promise, and you've actually got it up on the wall there. And for, we say it before see. every service, and it's like our mantra. What does it mean? It's our promise. Um, you know, like I, was, like I said before, um, each guest at Canlis walks into the restaurant wanting tonight to matter. Right. Um, and they come to Canlis for a very specific reason, and they come to trust us. Uh, that's the promise we want to keep. It's like, hey, tonight when we, we gather all in a circle on the dining room floor and say there's about 200 people about to walk in the door, desperately hoping and wanting for tonight to matter. Um, that's our charge. Yeah. And to me, it means um, it's not about meeting expectations. It's more about in order to keep the promise, we're going to have to change who we are, what we do, and tailor it to who you are and what mm -hmm. you need. Mm -hmm. It isn't a function of saying, this is our restaurant, and you must come experience it. It's a function of us saying, this is who you are, and we're going to have our restaurant serve you. It's a, it's a, it's a promise. Do you sense when people walk through the door that there's this subconscious anticipation of their saying, you guys promised that this would go well. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and when it doesn't, like, we hear it. Yeah. <laughs> 60 um, years of people believing that one day when I finally eat at Canlos, it's going to be magical. fill in the yeah, blank, right? They, they walk in with so much. Um, and so uh, we have to figure out what the best dining experience means to that guest mm. um, and deliver on that promise. Uh, and it's different at every single table because if you have, a, if you, have you and your, and your mom next to four business people trying to close a deal next to a first date, I can't deliver the same dining experience to all three tables. Mm -hmm. um, you all have a different idea of what that looks like. It mm -hmm. means we're going to put you first. Mm -hmm. And that implies that we'll be second, whether that's us, the owners, us, the chef, us, Canlis, the restaurant, us, your server. It's a promise to be second, even just for a few hours, and to consider what it looks like to put you first. That's great. I, I want to throw you a little bit of curveball. One piece of business advice that you guys have heard over the years that really helped you, each of you. Oh, man. I got one. Man. Your values, your core values of your company are only your values if they cost you something. Hmm. 
And so when we determined as a family what the core values of Canlis were, the litmus test was, um, are we actually putting our money where our mouth is? Mm-hmm. Because it's nice to have values, and then we can put them on our wall and sing kumbaya and hug. But then you have one of your key people um, maybe not living up to those values. Are you actually going to fire that person, even though it would really hurt your company? Or are you actually going to decide to sustainably source a piece of meat because it's going to kill your profit? Or are you going to... Like, do your values actually cost you something? And if they're not costing you anything, they're not your values, and figure out what your values are. Wow. That was, yeah, that was kind of humbling. I remember that. And, mm-hmm. and then we made some really hard decisions after that. And yeah. we decided that these values need to cost us something. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Boy, I was going to say, uh, I'm so torn. We already talked about our people and how to bring them on, and, uh, and we could spend hours doing that. But early on, we learned that, that profit uh, was really just a rule to the game, not a strategy for winning. And we learned to pay attention to strategies and not to rules. Hmm. And um, it's important. Well, you rule. Describe that real quick. Yeah, it's just it's the idea. I mean, it's the idea that um, it's easy in business to to forget or to start to believe that what we're here to do is is turn a profit and make money. No, that that's just a rule to the game. If you if you don't make any money, someone else is going to get your business, right? And if you kick the ball out of the bounds in soccer, someone else gets a throw in. So we don't. We don't want to focus on the rule. You never, no one ever won the World Cup by focusing on not kicking yeah, the ball. So it's like it, it's halftime and you're tied and you're in the locker room. The coach wouldn't stand up on the table and say, "Okay, boys, we're going to go out there and we're not going to kick the ball out of bounds. And we're going to, you know, don't touch the ball with your hands. It's it's going to be great." Like no, like those are rules. Yeah. yeah. You, rules don't make a business great. Good food is a rule to the game. Profit is a rule to the game. Yeah, a beautiful restaurant, those clean are rules. restrooms, they're all just rules. So to focus on those is really to have your attention in the wrong place. And and for us, we Obey were, the rules, but the business is about something else. Obey the yeah. rules when you have to. But if yeah. you're going to win, yeah. you need a strategy. And in our case, that strategy is the way we think about people and who the hero really is. Yeah. The point of our company is to live out and grow the idea that it's worth it to put other people first. And if we can spend our time doing that win or lose on the profit rule, we feel we're successful in other areas. And so we're free to give ourselves to that. Well, fantastic, you guys. I'm inspired just listening to you. And thank it's you so for fun. Let's go have dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in. Dinner and wine. <laughs> Done. And then whiskey. <laughs> If you've been listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast for a while, you're probably wondering what's next. You've probably sat around thinking, you know, I've got to bring my marketing into this next evolution. I've got to clean up the clutter and see a better response from customers. If you want to get started for free, just go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. You can either spell it out or use the number. doesn't matter. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. I will give you three five-minute videos that if you just execute what I say in those videos, you will definitely see results. It is the best place to start. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com Well, this next segment of the podcast is called How'd They Do It? And we basically interview folks who have gone through StoryBrand and are seeing successes. We are seeing people doubling their revenue, tripling their revenue, even quadrupling their revenue just after they clarify their message. And it's kind of amazing. And JJ, you met a guy named Mike Irving. He went through, if I'm not mistaken, the online course. I think he tells us. Uh, And then he called in and started getting some coaching. And you were his coach. He's got a business called AdvancedBusinessAbilities.com. He does live workshops and he also does one-on-one 
facilitating and training and coaching, Mm -hmm. helping leaders become more empathetic, understand their customer even more. Communication. He found that the number one skill that leaders need is empathy. And the number two is communication. Man, that's so true. I feel like it takes it takes a year or two just to kind of get over yourself as you start a business because you're insecure. You're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then pretty soon when you start thinking about your customer, you go to sleep thinking about your customer's needs. Your business just starts growing uh, through a a great process. He coaches you into that advancedbusinessabilities.com. And you gave him a call uh, yeah. early one morning our <laughs> our time, late uh, your time. So he was sleepy. You needed coffee, but we got you got the interview done. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot to learn from him. So yeah. JJ, you mind if we play that interview? Not at all. Let's get to it. Hello. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, JJ. I'm great. How are you? Uh, good. Good evening there, and good morning here, huh? Yes, absolutely. It's um, it might might even be a little bit later than evening, but that's okay. We're here. <laughs> nice. Well, Mike, I've loved working with you and love kind of what you do. Would you tell us just a little bit about your business and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Advanced Business Abilities is fundamentally a training and coaching organization, and we specialize in leadership skills, communication skills, and sales skills. So the soft the soft skills involved in business. And we, we help develop leaders to be able to be more efficient in running their businesses. Love it. And I've gotten to see a lot of the stuff that you've been working on and watched things change over time. And it's been really fun to see you grow in this. Tell me a little bit about what got you involved in StoryBrand. Why did you want to do StoryBrand to begin with? Well, it's a great question. You know, it's really funny. I, I, I swear when, when I started to look at the StoryBrand website and listen to and watch the videos of Don and what he was talking about, I swear you'd, you'd leaped into my head and you were reading my mind. My frustration, <laughs> our frustration as a company was we, we know that we've got a great service and a great product that is really valuable. When people engage with us, they they really get massive change in themselves and in their businesses. And we just couldn't seem to find the way to communicate that effectively to raise the, the volume of people that were engaging or, or coming to us in the first place, um, not knowing how to word it. I, I swear that your, your website, it was as if you had read my mind. So then for you, what do you think was the biggest kind of paradigm shift of walking through this? For ages, we had been positioning ourselves as the hero. We had been positioning ourselves as you know the, the, the company and the team that you could go to to really get results. And it's so subtle to reposition yeah. yourself as the guide. Yeah. And and when I saw that, that that was absolutely hands down the biggest differentiator for me. That, that was the biggest light bulb moment when yeah. I realized where I'd been going wrong and and then to have a structure to be able to approach it differently and and to be able to give it a structure. Every single piece of market marketing collateral to be able to look at that and follow the process and do the work. Yeah. That that's been a game changer for us. And fun. I, I love how fun it becomes kind of when you get to shift it off of you a little bit. I've got a chance to hear a little bit about kind of how this impacted your business. But tell me like now what life is like after you've begun implementing this. How have things changed for you? The, the impact's huge. Um, ju- just as, as one example in a half day live training event that we run that is a conversion point to into our full two-day training, uh, we, we went from a, a 10 to 15% conversion rate to actually in the last one, 85%. Oh, 
<laughs> so, so it, oh my goodness, that's amazing. It is. And the, and the first time I shared that with you, the conversion rate had jumped to 50%. We, it, we've improved on that again. And, and that came from that subtle, well, not subtle, that jump from 50% to 85% in the last one, that came from following the brand script even more closely, from being a bit tighter in the way that we've gone about it. So that, that's a significant shift for us. Oh, I love that. Mike, could you give me like one specific example of how your marketing collateral shifted? One specific example? I, I can probably give you 20. Um, the, the biggest thing is I hadn't really considered the, I knew the impact of imagery on our website. I hadn't considered the impact of ensuring that your imagery only comes from your success bucket. So I can say that our previous versions of our website had images that they had meaning, they were beautiful images, and they didn't come from the success bucket. Yeah. That had such an yep. impact on people's perception and feeling of the site when they arrived there. And I knew something wasn't quite you know, the way I wanted it to be. But again, the, the story brand framework just helped me think so much more clearly with it. It made a huge difference and is still making a huge difference. I, I've just had a, a, a new um, flyer designed, a new opt-in designed, and my designer came back and one of the photos didn't fit in the success bucket. It didn't fit with the brand script. And it was so easy to just go back and say, look, this, this, I love the image, but it's not right. This is the reason it's not right. This is what I'm looking for. She's chosen a different image and it's spot on. Oh, so great. So how did you go through the process? Was it online? Was it live? How did you uh, go through StoryBrand? I, I went through it via the online terminal, the on online version of the program, which was really valuable. And then um, I also... After completing the program online, I actually engaged, and this is how I met you, JJ, I engaged with you guys on a one-on-one -on -one basis to help review the work that I had done and, and you know, just, just make sure that it was really spot on for what we were looking to achieve. Which was uh, my favorite, is staying late at the office and calling you early in the morning and seeing your bedhead <laughs> <laughs> on Skype. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. time slots for us. I was grateful when, the, when you guys changed your clocks because we don't change ours. So it makes it a little bit better for us. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much for being a part of things. Love what you're doing. Love that things are blowing up for you. So excited about all of that. Um, everybody, if you want to check out Mike's business, again, it's advancedbusinessabilities.com. Uh, thanks again, Mike, for being on and uh, have a great night's sleep while we start our day here. Awesome. Thanks, JJ. Great to talk to you. Well, listen, if you want to clarify your message, if you think your website could be converting more browsers into buyers, I've got a free resource for you. It's 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. These are three five-minute videos that will basically give you a checklist of everything that you need to do in order to communicate clearly in your marketing collateral. It is, I think, the best marketing resource on the internet, and it is completely free. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. Either spell it out or use the number. doesn't matter. You're going to go to the same place. Listen, this has been another terrific episode of Building a Story Brand Podcast. Music from this episode is from the album Black Bear by Andrew Bell, which you can listen to on Spotify or download on iTunes. We love Andrew. Andrew, thanks for the gift of your music. This podcast exists to help you clarify your message and grow your business, and we appreciate you listening. On behalf of the entire Story Brand team, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.